You are listening to the sassiest podcast in the world. Born in the Nordics, democratizing B2B SaaS knowledge everywhere. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Mats Nyberg, the CEO at Tripos. You have to decide what do you want to achieve and then who do I want to participate on that event because it doesn't need to be a huge event it's much better that it's high quality hey I hope you are well and that you are ready for another episode of the sassiest podcast and today we're going to talk about the topic that is close to our heart Events. Events is fun, right? Indeed it is. And I'm looking forward here to dig into this one a little bit particular because we've seen a big trend that every SaaS company wants to run their own events. And I'm sure we're going to learn some tips and tricks here today. Absolutely. And one event that you can't miss this year is SaaS 2024 in Malmö in April 16th and 17th. And if you want to know more about that, you can head over to sassiest2024.com. Great speakers, a lot of networking opportunities, social side events, good food and drinks, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Hope to see you there. But now let's talk to the event expert, Mats. Today, we are super happy to have Mats Nyberg, the CEO at Tripus, here as a guest in the Sassiest podcast. So warm welcome to you, Mats. Thank you very much. Mats, I know that uh, you've been sharing on LinkedIn playlists of different types of stuff. Like, so I'm curious, like, did you start your morning listening to a fantastic tune of some kind? Uh, actually, not, even though that playlist has been a bit famous. Uh, today, I started a day listening to a podcast called When We Were Kings. All right. So what kind of podcast is that? It's a podcast um, that Erik Niva, a journalist in Sweden, have, and it's all about football. So they dig deep into specific players, specific clubs in a special time. So it can be uh, regarding Zidane or uh, Holland 74 or um, uh, Liverpool 92 or whatever. So they really dig down. All right. So it's not just Swedish footballers then. So anyone could enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. But it's in Swedish. So, <laughs> not anyone. And he also does these exercises, right, where he travels to different countries and, like, hangs with the hooligans, or you don't call them hooligans, I guess, <laughs> the fans and uh, in different types of countries. It's, it's really exciting to follow. Yeah. All right. So, besides that, Mats, what can you tell us about yourself? Uh, I've been at the CEO for uh, Trippers for the past seven years. Um, before that, I have a long history in the telco industry, starting with Tele2 when they started. So I'm actually one of the first sales guys in Tele2 and one of the first that sold um, internet in Sweden in the early 90s. Ah. So um, I've been in the telco industry. Thank you for your service. Yeah, it was a bit <laughs> uh, more expensive than we started with selling six, 64k for 20,000 Swedish a month to the enterprises. So it's internet has been a little bit cheaper today than it was 30 years ago or 35 years ago. All right. So besides being CEO of uh, Tripos, what do you like to do? How do you spend your time? I spend the time um, traveling a lot and I spend the time uh, playing golf and um, exercise. So um, yeah, especially golf during the summertime. Nice. A healthy guy then. Uh, Hopefully. (laughs) 
<laughs> sort of. All right. So tell us about the Trippus a little bit. Like, what, what, what are you guys all about and who do you serve? Uh, Trippus is a event management platform. I mean, uh, our customers use our uh, service when they arrange events. So we are not someone that arranging events. We are the help for those that are arranging events. So we are a software. I mean, you, I usually compare it to a CRM system. When I was used to be a talent in sales, uh, you have a plastic box and all the business card in going from A to Z. Nowadays, even a small company has their own CRM system, but actually 2024, the majority of our potential customers are still using paper and a pen, Excel sheets when they are arranging events. And um, that can be done so much professionally and so much more efficient. All right. I can imagine that. So uh, who's your ideal customer? Is there any particular size of companies that are you know, the best fit for you? Ah, of course, the bigger the better. But uh, there's anyone from small companies that can arrange large events to large enterprises, branch organizations, unions, uh, sports events. So anyone that uh, are gathering people and need to handle it in a more efficient and professional way. All right. But, but where is the thresholds? I mean, you're a small company. How big of an event should you arrange in order for it to make sense to have a solution like yours? I would say that at least uh, 50 people if it's just a one-time event. But we have a lot of customers that have a license and use it for any kind of event, of course, for the larger events, but even for a breakfast meeting or a lunch meeting or whatever, because it can be... Done so much more efficient and pr- more professional if you use a, a service like ours. All right, thanks. So just to get things in perspective here, we, we want to extract some numbers uh, from you here. So what can you say about the size of operation when it comes to ARR, number of customers, growth rate? To start with that, uh, today we have something like four hundred to five hundred customers that are active on our platform, and uh, the ARR are for twenty three plus 40 Swedish million, and uh, the growth rate was organic 34%, more or less. Oh. And we do that with black figures, so we don't have external capital. Great, good for you. So so that means, I don't know, around 3.5 million euro in ARR or something with a weak Swedish A little bit more. Little bit <laughs> yeah, more. <laughs> a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, and uh, looking at what markets do you serve? Uh, I mean, our main market is still Sweden, where we are the market leader. We have been doing business in both Norway and Denmark for plus 10 years, uh, but we are not the market leader there. Uh, we have an operation in Germany, still quite small, and in Italy. Okay. We used to have it in the US before the pandemic, but uh, it wasn't that good to be in the event industry during the, um, the COVID period. So we had to close that down. No, oh, I can imagine. So, so did you sort of try to pivot to online events during that period? Or? Yeah, we had to. We had to. I mean, figure out how to use our existing service and to take care of the demand for um, digital events. So we actually, we didn't lose money and we didn't lose revenue during that time, but we didn't grow either. But we managed to hold on to the same levels. We didn't have to fire anyone in the Swedish organization. So it was a tough time, but we could handle it and we learned a lot about how to handle digital events. So now we are 
up to serving the industry for uh, hybrid events as well. All right. And that will be bigger and bigger. That's, that's for sure. Cool. And what, what's the size of your team? We are all together four to five people today, while the majority are in Sweden. We have a couple of guys in uh, Norway and in Italy, and we have Germans sitting in our office in, um, uh, in Uppsala taking care of the German market. All right. And lastly, what can you say about how your operation is funded and, and about the ownership? We are privately owned. And as I said before, we don't have any external capital. We don't have, we have not been needed to have external investment for 15 years. So we grow our, our company with our own money. And that's been done for the past. All right. So is it the initial founders that are the main shareholders? Are they still in the company? Uh, they are not operational, but are still in the company. Okay. And the founder is still working in the company as well. Not as a CEO, <laughs> but um, he's still in the company. Okay, cool. All right, very cool. Uh, so we're going to talk about a topic that I think is close to our hearts, all of us here, like obviously the event space and the event business. Yeah. And, and one trend, which I think is, is more than a trend, it's a real thing, is that all B2B SaaS companies, they're looking, obviously, to build top-of-funnel opportunities and so on. But at the same time, they also want to own their audience. And one way to own the audience and control the narrative is to host your own events, whether that is like, you know, a sit-down dinner with just a handful of people yeah. or running big user conferences. We've, we've seen that debate in our channels. It's a thing that's happening. Many companies want to do it. What many companies are struggling that have never done it is to figure out, is it worth it and what is required from my organization to make this successful? I know it's a very big question, <laughs> it is. but you must have seen this many times from your customers. Yeah, and um, the first question to ask is, I mean, what do, you, what do you want to achieve? Because I would say that the majority that are trying to arrange these kind of events are starting, okay, we need to have this large uh, event with the best uh, performers and the best food or the best place or whatever. So we're thinking about quantity instead of starting us, who do I want to participate and what do you want to achieve from that? Because it's not about size, it's about quality and what kind of effect you have on those people that are participating on the event. Because one mistake that a lot of arrangers are um, making that they are trying to host a large uh, event and end of the day, they can't fill all the spaces. So they just bring a lot of people in that are not the best people to invite because you can't get anything back from them. Yeah. 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 And th then sort of you bite yourself in the foot, right? Yeah. Because then the experience for everyone that attends the event uh, is not that good, which means that they might not come back the next year, right? So some things you can't compromise on when it comes to content and the audience and so, but it's a scary thing. I mean, we, yeah. we do events, right? And people tend to sign up and buy tickets and so very late in the game. So, so I mean, events is not for the, for the ones with, with bad nerves. <laughs> no. Am yeah, I right? Very right. So do you have any secrets there, Matt, how to avoid those situations? Uh, yeah. It's also about timing because 
what we see that the majority spend more or less all the resources on the specific event and that day and folks on to arrange the event. They don't spend that much resources on plan for the communication. How do I uh, approach those people that I want to attend to the event? How do I stick out compared to all the others? Because you usually just looking into your event and thinks this is the best event. Everybody wants to come to my event. Yeah. But I can tell you there is a competition out there and you must show to your attendees that they should come to you. Absolutely. And make that interest as soon as possible and make the conversation start very early. So you mean you save the date and so on. Absolutely. And you also need to get some sense of urgency a long time before as well. Uh, yeah. And, you know, you always see this. It's the blind bird. It's a super early bird. It's the early bird and it's <laughs> a soon to come bird and everything like that. So do you have some other hack that you could share with, with the audience here? Or is that it? The birds? Yeah. I mean, that, that's one good thing. And another good thing is, of course, if you can show that the demand is extremely high on the market. Yeah. And you get the rumor out there so people are start talking about it absolutely you you, you get the momentum going uh, far ahead of the event yeah makes sense yeah yeah definitely so a very direct question Mats here like for many SaaS companies this event initiative lands and sits predominantly within the CMO organization yeah. at the same time we know a lot of the CMOs you know they're tight on, on budgets right now they might have you know less funds than they have before one of the things that come across our desk is many people want to do the events, but a little bit uncomfortable doing a business case related to this or an ROI analysis because short term, it just looks like it's going to hit the budget. So what's your recommendation here? Like, how should they approach this? Where is the ROI in these types of things? Because they can be costly. Now, it can't be costly, but uh, I assume in the majority of the, these kind of events, it's for, I mean, increase your sales in one way or another. And then you compare that investment in the event uh, compared to any kind of marketing or maybe a headcount or whatever. So you need to compare that investment compared to other investments that you do and see, okay, in the long run, where do I get the best output? Because I would say that you, when you have these kind of events, you expect to have a lot of potential leads or potential customers on that event, or at least get people that are networking and spreading rumor. And will that take 10 days, five months, a year before you will start selling on those leads? I don't know. It depends on different, uh, different events and different companies. But at the end of the day, you must compare it to other investments that are increasing your sales. You're not just having having event for fun. Okay, you can do that as well. But uh, if it's an event that will have the major target to increase the sales, you need to compare it to other things and see that, okay, this is a good way to spread a rumor, increase the number of potential leads, start selling as soon as possible. Because and very often... When it comes to arranging an event again, 
they are focusing on what, who should be on stage, uh, what kind of food, instead of looking into it and see how do I get the right people to that event so the ROI is uh, as high as possible. Right. And uh, to be able to do that, you need to use some kind of tool that you, first of all, can see who do you event, how do I communicate with that kind of uh, potential lead, how do I get the right information, who participate, what are they looking for, and then do the follow-up. Yeah. Because it's quite usual that when you have had an event, you just think, okay, we've done it now, everything is fine, and forget about doing the investment afterwards, yeah. listening to the people, get back to all the participants and see what did they think about it, uh, can we start a conversation, and so on and so forth. Yeah, uh, and besides hosting events, we also uh, visit many events, and, and what is quite common to see is that uh, people in the booths, they are really chasing those MQLs. So sometimes you can wonder about how have they set up their ROI sort of equation because some scans everyone that gets a cup of coffee or anyone that take a pencil or just to get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of MQLs, but most of them are worthless. Yeah. And sometimes you... You know, you feel that this cannot be a, a good way of running things. So you should focus more on the qualitative people that, that enter your booth. So, what are your view on this? Yeah, but, uh, I would say that if you're talking about venues, for example, and you are uh, having investment in, in a booth and you have a lot of salespeople there, um, you haven't planned for what do you want to achieve. Mm. You just send in the sales guys and uh, it sounds like uh, you have a competition where you compete over how many have you scanned instead of starting in, in advance, inviting a lot of people to you both, yeah. uh, have a specific uh, time frame when you should be in the booth and when, sh when you could handle those um, people that are coming to you both and then afterwards follow up, follow up in a good way, not just scanning everyone. You scan, and then if you have the right tool, you can have uh, some kind of information that that person was interested in this or that. Because what we have seen is that you just scan a lot of people, but you don't do anything about that information yeah. because you don't know what kind of interest that person had. But if you have the chance to... Um, write down some information about, okay, Thomas was interested in this or that, and he, he wants me to contact him in uh, two weeks or so, then you start a more prof professional conversation instead of just sending out a mail, okay, you visit our booth, uh, here is our information about our services. I mean, you don't sell from that. Oh, makes sense. Yeah. So... Uh if we have a specific scenario here, let's play with the thought that I'm a SaaS company, I want to run my own user conference where I invite, obviously, customers, prospects, maybe partners and so on. So there's going to be a couple of hundred people at least. Yeah. Like from your perspective, what type of internal resources are required to pull this through a full day event of this magnitude 
And do you need also maybe external resources to help you? Uh, sometimes it depends. I mean, a whole day is quite hard uh, to to handle, to be honest, because I mean, it's a big investment from those people that are coming there that spend a full day with you. So if you want to have a full day, you really want, uh, need to make sure that there is a lot of interest and not the interest from your side. Think about, okay, why should that person from that company invest that specific day visiting us and listening to us? What do they want to achieve? And um, quite often I say that people are so focusing on their own services. They need to spread information about all our new services, which is one good thing. But uh, to make it more interesting for people coming there, that could be more about the the market itself or some maybe some kind of external uh, speaker that have another topic which are of I mean wider interest so I think it's usually I see that the majority having are planning for an event just focusing we need to spread information about us about our services and so on and so forth and I would say that if you want to have a an, um, people coming, I mean, two or three hundred people coming, and they should spend a day with you, you need to have a wider uh, schedule. I would say. Right. To go a little bit deeper into this, uh, in your own organization, what kind of roles or what type of responsibilities should you have? Uh, of course, you need to have a project manager that uh, I mean are responsible for the overall. Uh, arrangement and then you can I mean have a lot of people that are responsible for different parts but when we do events we try to involve uh, I mean the majority of the company because it's good both from our side and their side I mean if we have to support people or developers or sales guys in the event then they know and speak to customers so they get more information, okay, coming from the customer's mouth uh, about what they need. But it's also good for customers or potential customers to have the ability to speak directly to different kind of people, not just the sales guys sitting, just throwing out all the uh, the, the sales pitches. So it, it depends on what you want to achieve. But I would say it makes sense to show your total company and get a possibility to people to be part of the event from different angles. Are you in B2B sales and tired of wrestling with your CRM system, feeling like it's more of a burden than support? Introducing Membrane, your sales enablement platform and CRM, where you can focus on driving results through effective behaviors. Sales enablement is not just about managing data. It's about reinforcing the right behaviors with the right people at the right time. So stop missing numbers. Instead, drive revenue through proven prospecting, best-in-class pipeline management, and true account planning by visiting Membrane.com. Yeah, one of the things that uh, we've seen people being worried about when they tried their first attempts is the no-show rate. So they, they host an event, it's a free event, people sign up, and suddenly they don't show up. So then they've been debating like, okay, should I start charging for my event? You know, uh, whether it's like a big ticket price uh, or if, if just like 
you know, enough skin in the game to make sure people show up. But the worry for many is that, you know, if it's my first events, I'm not that established, nobody's going to pay for this. So what's your take on this? If you run something for free and you have associated costs with that, how do you make sure that people show up or are you going to build them after the fact? Yeah, I mean, actually, if it's for free, it's worthless, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, but I mean, they, it all depends what kind of event it is. If it is uh, an external event where, I mean, you can expect people to pay for it. I mean, then I think you should have a fee for it. But if you have an event where you um, invite existing and potential customers and you want to show something, then it's quite hard to have a fee for that. And then I think it's much more important to really communicate with those people. I mean, it's so easy to sign up for an event if it's for free. And then think, okay, we have a 300 or 400 people that have signed up for the event. But what they forget is that they have just signed up for it. They haven't shown that they really want to participate. Right. And it's much better to, to start the communication in an early stage, show them, okay, you should sign up because this is such an interesting event. And then follow up when they have signed, okay, with an event up or something that Okay, here is the information. Thank you for signing up and keep the uh, conversation ongoing. Even set a sales guide to have the communication with those people. Okay, what, what do you expect from this event? What do you want to achieve uh, visiting us? And then it, it's much more important for those people that have signed up for the event to really participate because end of the day, just think, this isn't a good event. I should participate, not just signing up. Okay, if I had that Tuesday evening free, then I show up. So it's more of a sales job, more or less, to get a conversation ongoing and make the uh, event much more interesting for the people to come. Yeah. Because as you said, no show. This It's something that... A lot of rangers are uh, struggling with. Yeah, exactly. And when Thomas and I were both operators, uh, we worked for this fantastic company called In River, and we hosted the biggest user conference in the world in that field, the PIM space. And uh, obviously, it was a paid-for event, so people had to buy tickets. But for some key customers or prospects, if you may, we might, you know, hand them uh, a free ticket and so on when we did this because we really needed to to have them to show up, whether it was H&M or whatnot. But there was still a caveat in there because it was not a problem for us to sell the tickets to anybody else. We had an agreement that you get this ticket for free. It's worth X. Should you not show up, we're going to invoice you X. So they knew that they get it for free, but if they don't show up, we're still going to invoice them because we have an accrued cost for that. So yeah. that meant that some of these, and it was just a small portion that received free tickets, but they would then in advance tell us, hey, sorry, guys, we're not we're not going to show up. Mm. Please remove me from the list. Yeah. So that's one way of protecting yourself. Absolutely. I mean, you again, then you need to do something, not not just selling or just inviting uh, and then selling. The, com- the ongoing com- uh, communication, and it's it's a job. To, to arrange the event and have the conversation ongoing with all the potential um, attendees. Yeah. So you you need to do that work as well. If it's uh, uh, selling tickets or giving away and then it's um, 
a cost not showing up or whatever again it's it's uh, something you need to do yeah but in reality i mean if you have an important prospect you give them a free ticket they don't show up i don't know do you send them an invoice or not no 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 of, co- of course not but then you have i mean then you have not succeeded to make the event interesting enough no and that's the key thing that you need to communicate and show them you should show up because yeah. this is such a nice event and you will benefit coming here. Yeah. Then the nice sales guy calls and says, you don't need to, uh, we, we won't invoice you this time. I, I took care of it. I, I talked to my manager and yeah, let it go for this time. Yeah, but he didn't or she didn't show up anyhow. Yeah, and, and, and Thomas, <laughs> so uh, l- let me tell you a secret here because this, this obviously sat with my team because I was, you know, VP of sales there. What it does is that it sends a message and sets an expectation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's very few instances where you had to send the invoice because nine out of 10 people that got a free ticket, if they didn't show up, they would tell in advance because they had understood that Daniel's teams are nice enough to give me a free ticket. They have associated costs with this. You know, I don't want them to spend money on me if if I don't show up. So they felt obliged to either show up or notify of not showing up. So it's very few cases where this discussion came up like, hey, you owe us uh, 500 bucks for not showing up. (laughs) (laughs) No, of course not. But still, I mean, um, you need to involve your sales team to, I mean, to make them do the communication, make them make sure that their potential leads are showing up, that the investment the company are willing to do to uh, spend the money on uh, those potential customers are well spended money. So you need to involve the sales sales team to really do some hard work before the event, not just showing up and hope that they're going to uh, get a lot of potential leads when they're there. I mean, they do the need to do the investment as well. Yep. Their work. I, I. Yeah. Looking back at that exercise when we ran a user conference at Indian River, uh, the main driver to get somebody in there is to serve them a meeting that they cannot not take. Exactly. So if you are a prospect, you're considering something, if you have an issue, we would help them and be like, oh, you have the same issue as company X. Why don't I make sure that you can meet their e-commerce manager? I'll set up the meeting and so on. That way you serve them something and give them a stronger incentive to show up. Yeah, exactly. And again, that there are the incentive are much wider than just you telling about, telling them about your new services. That there might be information, there might be knowledge about the market or rules or legal things or whatever that are part of their day-to-day work. And part of that is also some kind of selling or marketing. But the overall information is not information is not just about you and your company it's about the industry or the whatever yeah and hopefully i mean if you if people can have value of meeting each other and building that community that could be the, the thing that is the most valuable in the long run exactly if you get the right people there that uh, attractive as well much more attractive than maybe the food or the show uh, show uh, the show that you are showing on, a, on the, that evening yeah, but but uh, during these events, is there any particular unforeseen cost where you th- where you see uh, companies they they mess up their their calculations? The first thing I'm thinking about is that 
they haven't planned for what they want to achieve. Okay, they have the, they have their budget, and all that budget are spent on food, the the place, and the artists. So when they have spent all that money, they don't have money enough to buy tools or do the communication or have time, personal resources to do this communication before and during and after the event. Yeah. So they just spend all their um, all their, um, budget on the specific event. Yeah. So it's not about cost that they unforeseen. It's that they don't uh, plan for the total investment. Yeah, and I think we see also that some are quite understaffed uh, because it's important also to give your visitors and partners and so on good service when they are there, right? So otherwise, people are waiting yeah. in line. And that's that's the during. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and before and after, you have to invest in, on that as well to get the right achievement. Absolutely. So if we should sum up this a little bit, what would be uh, your three tips of setting up uh, your own event here as a B2B SaaS company? Uh, I would say that uh, you have to decide what do you want to achieve? And then how, uh, who do I want to participate on that event? Because it doesn't need to be a huge event, it's much better that it's high quality. And when you have done that, you need to make sure that you have a professional conversation, a communication with those attendees. Because you need to understand that it's not in their mind 24-7, just because it's in your mind 24-7, because you're planning for it. You need to make sure that they are interested in your event. Yeah. And to do so, you need to do the conversation and communication. And for that, you might need a tool. All right. Very good tips, Mats. Uh, thank you so much for, for sharing that and summarizing this. And why don't you tell us a little bit here, what's the future for your own company? And like, if we speak here in a year's time, where will Tripos and you be? Uh, yeah, I mean, we're planning to grow even bigger and both. Uh, domestic, but also internationally. Uh, so hopefully we have the more or less the same growth rate. Uh, but I would say if it's one part that has been uh, growing, I would say the hybrid events where people are meeting physically and nowadays people expect to participate one way or another in a digital way. Right. And we see a huge demand for that kind of events nowadays. Yeah. So that will be growing. And is there anything or anyone you need in particular to support that growth? We have a great community listening in here. Maybe you can do a shout out. Maybe you'll find your next talent here. Oh, uh, of course. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm uh, willing to discuss with anyone that has some kind of tips how we should be better, what uh, we need to uh, do to uh, keep the journey in a positive way. So uh, I'm open for any kind of discussion. All right. And you, you mentioned here in the beginning that uh, your favorite pod was uh, a football pod here. And not, obviously now you're in a, on a B2B SaaS pod here, the sassiest pod of them all. Is there any guest that you feel if we would invite him or her, 
that you'd feel like, oh man, I can't miss this episode. I really need to listen in. Like, who would that be? Yeah, I'm going to skip my football podcast this morning because this episode is so interesting. <laughs> oh, uh, I don't have a name directly, but uh, I would be very interested to listen to what will be the coming challenges for the SaaS companies because what we have uh, seen in the past 12 or uh, 18 months, there's a lot of changes for us as uh, SaaS companies, the expectations from the market, uh, how we should do anything from how to grow, uh, how to invest, how we are valued and so on and so forth. So uh, it would be nice to listen to someone that could foresee what will happen in the coming 12 or 24 months. Definitely. All right. So with that, Mats, thank you for being on the show and sharing your experiences. We're looking forward to a 2024 full of exciting events. And of course, hope to see you at Sassius 2024 in mid-April. So uh, with that, see you around, Mats, and best of luck. Yeah, Thank you very much. My pleasure. And uh, we, you will see me in, the, in April, that's for <laughs> sure. Great. Take care now. Bye. So Daniel, what's your takeaway from this episode? I, th I think there were many good takeaways and many uh, things that he said that reconfirms also our working thesis for our little business, although we're not a SaaS company, but we serve the SaaS community. One thing that I think everybody should pay a little bit extra attention to is that when you do decide to run your own event for your customers, they don't care specifically and only about you, your services, your products, your offerings, because you know what, they, they can find that out on online, in digital formats and so on. You gotta offer them something in addition. Like what is the reason that somebody will jump on a flight or train and make their way out to your, you know, your office, wherever your venue is. It can't be just because you wanna tell them that you have uh, version 3.0 of your fantastic new tool. It's something else. And you got to identify what that something else is based on who you're targeting and what the profile is of your attendance. So always think about that. I know it's an obvious one, but people always seem to un underestimate it. I've been to, to so many, call it user conferences, where the company only talks about themselves. But sometimes you actually, you know, in simple terms, want to know how, how other people are using the tool or other things, you know. Yeah. So th that's that's what I take away from this one. Like, and Thomas, obviously, we, we work in this space. Was there anything that stood out to you? Yeah. And I mean, sometimes you take uh, both two and three takeaways. So I'm, I'm going to take at least two this time. So one is more on the planning side. If you do an event that, I mean, you need to be active throughout the planning um, sort of uh, time communicating with your uh, potential attendees uh, to make sure to, to have that high show up rate, but also to make sure that they will have a successful event when they come there. So they are prepared, they, they have the information, they are ready to start networking and so on. So I think that's one. Another thing is um, if you are there as an exhibitor, that you want to make sure that you really get those high quality leads back home. It's not just, you know, having names from your uh, lottery or something like that. You, you want to know who did you talk to and what's the follow-up that you need to do on it so you can take the right action when you come home. So uh, don't waste, don't waste the time and energy and money that you spend on an event 
uh, do it professionally and uh, make sure that you really know what you want to get out of it. Definitely. And we surely don't want to waste your time in any way. And again, I'm going to ask you, keep them coming, the suggestions for speakers, topics to address, because we also want to do this in a professional way. And our purpose here with the podcast is that hopefully you learn something new in every episode, or at least you'll get something confirmed that a thesis you had or an idea you had that it's the right thing to do. Or, or maybe, in fact, that you're completely off track and you, you need to rethink. But we do this in order to democratize knowledge. So keep them coming, the ideas. And if you like these episodes, just hit that five star, give us a review because it helps us all and also our egos, I suppose. <laughs> and let's stay in touch. Uh, there's many ways of doing that. You can reach out to us at contact at sassiest.com. You can head over to sassiest.com and join our newsletter or the Slack community. And make sure that you follow us on LinkedIn. We are frequent posters and there's a lot of things happening here in the spring and the summer. So with that, thank you for listening today. Hope to see you soon and stay safe. Bye-bye.